I am so happy that you're able to join us for this extended interview. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get more killer resources. Hey friend, are you looking to land a remote gig ASAP? Well, did you know that we not only have a ton of online jobs you can apply to on our site, but now we are also sending them straight to your inbox. I'm happy to announce that we will be sending our email subscribers legit online jobs every Wednesday. We have done hours of research so you don't have to. If you want to be the first one to hear about the remote gigs we find, go to theoffbeatlife.com to subscribe. Hey everyone, thank you so much for being here for this extended interview with Jackie where she shares how to build generational wealth as a remote worker. Hey Jackie, how are you? Hey girl, how are you? I am great. Like I keep saying this after, after um, in the beginning of every interview, I always love Jackie's energy. So you're all going to love it as well. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Before we get to a lot of your tips and tricks, can you tell us about you and why you live an offbeat life? So I am Jackie Almost Holiday and I live an offbeat life because I have been crisscrossing the globe for over 25 years. I really enjoy the life that I live. I My go-to motto is if you ain't thriving, you ain't living right. And I am one who is not afraid to pivot when something isn't working. And what is working for me right now at this point in my life, my beautiful little baby girl, is just to explore the world, to experience all that it has to offer, and just to try to be a positive force for good. Love that. Love your motto. Love what you're doing with your daughter. And I love the topic that we're going to talk about today, building wealth, building generational wealth as a remote worker, because most of the time when people think about remote working, being a digital nomad, they mostly see people who are, you know, working in like or living in hostels, not having a lot of money. It's not sustainable, but you have proved that that not the case. You and your daughter travel in luxury and, you know, so and you're able to do this sustainably and you're showing your daughter all of this. Can you tell us more about that, how you are building this wealth for yourself and also handing it down to your daughter as well? Can you take us through that process and that state? Absolutely. So first and foremost, I think that um, it's up to each person on their own to decide what's kind of this luxurious life for them. For me, just at this point in my life when, you know, I'm starting to feel a little bit of aches and pains in my body just because, you know, I definitely am a person who pushes myself both physically and mentally. Like I like plush beds and all that good stuff. But I'm also, you know, I, I take my responsibilities as both a parent, also as a person who has a senior or aging, if my mom hears this podcast, she will kill me, an <laughs> aging mother, right? And, I, and I'm my mother's only child. So, and I think that culturally, you know, the expectation will always be for me to take care of her. And I, and I, actively and willingly accept that responsibility. So for me, the idea, and also just because I'm not type A personality, uh, (laughs) I feel like most of my clients are too. um, The idea of me being broke, I did that at a point in my life and I, I was, I'm never okay with going back there again. Right. And I think particularly as like you age, like when you're young and you can always think of like, you know, get up and bartend, although I can still bartend now if I want to, there are always some quick and easy ways to make some money. But I think as you age and you start to slow down and you want some comfort and stability. And I, I definitely know that I came to that point, that realization of like, and this is even before, you know, 
um, giving birth to like children, I knew that I, two things, that one, that I love to travel and that I did not want to settle down in the traditional American sense of having like one home, one place, having two kids, you know, a garage and a dog, although I do have a dog, but I wanted the freedom to be able to live and go where I wanted to be able to travel the world. But I also wanted the, the freedom not to stress money and not to be checking my account every two seconds and not being able to say, I can't do something because I don't got no money. Right. And so for me, it became a process of one, like figuring out what is that quote unquote magical number that I need to be able to live how I want to live, wherever I want to live in the world. Now, the good or bad thing for me is I lived in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is probably one of the most expensive markets in the world. So what I was used to bringing in was a fairly large sum of money because that's what you need to be able to even survive in the Bay Area, although lots of people are, are making it with a lot less. So I, I knew how I wanted to live. I was very comfortable with that idea in my head. And I knew different places that I wanted to go so that it was a matter of me figuring out what are the different ways that I can make money so that it can happen. And when I thought about making money, I thought about making like traveling money, making everyday living money wherever I am in the world. And then also be able to like save and like invest. And I think that a lot of people like those first two buckets, like they kind of get, they may not know their numbers like all that well, but they kind of get like, okay, I need money. I like to travel. So I want to be able to take my weekend, my two weeks a year. Right. Like for me, that's not what it was. It was like, I want to be able to travel whenever I want. Like if I want to get on a plane right now and go somewhere, I want to be able to do that. But then I also want to realize that like, social security might not be there for me because Mm -hmm. y'all haven't heard. It's a little bit in trouble. Uh And so then it became understanding like one, what am I good at? One thing I've always been pretty aware about is that I'm a people person. I like being around people. I'm good with people. I'm good at motivating people, et cetera, et cetera. An attorney by trade. So I have like a JD. So I know just from like those two things that I should be, I should be able to bring, (laughs) (laughs) bring in some money. So I would say like the first thing was me understanding like what my budget, my budget was for everyday life, but then also for the life that I wanted to continue to lead. No, I do. And I always was. I'm lucky that I, you know, had a mother who believed in like saving. So even as I've been traveling the world, I always like, and I'm a big fan. Even if you got $25 a month, you better say that $25 a month, put it away for, for something, for an opportunity. And so what I did pretty early on is make some pretty smart investments. Now, one of the things about myself is that I am, one of the things that I do is I'm a consultant. I am a policy consultant for technology companies. That means that I'm working with a lot of companies before they go public. So one of the things I negotiate in a lot of my contracts is to be paid in equity in the country. So to be paid in potential corporate stock. Now, that's a risk, right? Because a lot of companies don't ever make it public. But the ones that do, (laughs) I've done pretty well on those, right? So that was like one source of income. The next was, you know, I said, what's the minimum amount I need to live well in some of the countries I'm looking at. Now, most countries in the world, you know, don't take in like Tokyo or, you know, some other cities. You can live on $1,500, $2,000 a month and still live a pretty middle-class existence. And so it was like, well, Jackie, how can you bring in at least $2,000 a month? 
I said, let me just set up some shops, right? I knew what I was interested in. And I actually did. And I luckily, because I work in like worked in the technology space, I was experienced with like focus groups and like doing market research and doing market analysis. So, and I knew what my target population was, was mainly like women like me, right? Women with like some disposable income who are interested in certain things. And so I just started conducting like, now this is, Focus groups actually have a science to them, and I appreciate that. But I did some focus groups on my friends. <laughs> um, was not necessarily science, but they definitely were my target uh, demographic of, like, these are some different products that I want to sell. And it, it wasn't anything, like, you might think, like, Jackie, you must have thought of something, like, revolutionary. No, girls, ladies, <laughs> women, women, gentlemen, whoever's on this call, I mean, this, this podcast. It was T-shirts. <laughs> I said, okay, friends, like these are some t-shirts. Um, what do you guys think about them? People are like, oh my God, love them, love them. Now it's one thing for people to say they love your stuff. It's another thing for people to say they're going to buy your stuff, right? Exactly. So it was, but then I, you know, started to get like, okay, understanding. And again, I tell this to all, you know, my coaching clients as well. Like if you don't know your numbers, know your numbers. So it was like, okay, let me figure out how much it costed to drop ship. If you guys aren't familiar with drop shipping, that's where you don't have to keep your own inventory. Like it, um, it's printed on demand, right? Basically. How many of these t-shirts do I need to sell a month to bring in this certain amount of money? So I really just started to understand like my numbers. I started to familiarize myself, like what does marketing look like, right? The good thing about like the Facebooks, the Instagram, although I'm, I'm more privy to, to Facebook because that's where a lot of my income comes in from, is that there's, I mean, Facebook literally mines people's data, right? So you have access to a wealth of data. Now I knew age group of women, because I'd already talked to them. I can't, well, my gut told me that they were interested in, and you can do something called like A-B testing. Now what A-B testing is, is you take two different ads. So you take ad A and ad B, and you see how they perform with the demographic that you want to target it. So it could be women 35 to 65 who make over $100,000 a year and love to travel, which is <laughs> to be my demographic, right? Um, and narrow it down through a couple other factors. And test it. And lo and behold, now it took a little bit of tweaking, right? Like you got to figure out who's specifically in that group. But the beauty of being able to capture data and to see who visits your, who visits your site, who doesn't visit your site, and then also understand to be able to follow up with them. So if somebody's visited your site, like, and I'm sure anybody who's listened to this podcast has visited a site and then two or three days later, they keep seeing ads from that very same site that they looked at popping up. Those are all just different like marketing techniques that any and everybody in this day and age, a little bit of research is able, can able to like incorporate into whatever they're trying to sell to a particular demographic. And so I, I actually started to make a really lot of a really good chunk of money like in sales. And what I did was then just started like investing. And because I travel so much, um, in some ways I was able to buy properties and I did a lot of research and I'm an attorney. So I've always had an attorney in my country help me. If I'm trying to purchase a property abroad, because it's not the it's not the same as buying property in the United States. Although I encourage people to do that as well. And then it was just like there was so many, after that way. Once you start having property and you start renting and doing short term rentals, I mean the the ways to make money become so so vast. And you start I mean because of, again because I'm in technology, I have opportunities to invest in companies earlier, and it just becomes like this snowball effect. But again, at that same time, it still goes back to literally every week I am meeting with my bookkeeper just to understand what I'm, what money's going in, what money's coming out. 
Yeah. Well, that's really interesting because you have all of these different streams of income to build this wealth. And it just keeps, like you said, it keeps snowballing. You know, you have your real estate, you have that job that you have that you help companies, and then you have that t-shirt, and then you're a consultant. Like, there's a lot of things that you can do. And I think people think that you just need one thing. Like, if you actually, because there's a lot of skills that you have as a person, right? And you just have to figure out how to do that and do it in a way where it's sustainable for you. Um, and it doesn't take a lot of your time and effort to do it as well, because I'm pretty sure with your um, real estate, the income that you're making there, it's like you don't have to be there every day, you know, and show up. So, which is really interesting. And I'm interested in that because do you uh, do you buy most of your properties outside of the U.S.? Or So I do, my current like portfolio is 60% in the U.S., 40% outside like the U.S. And it, it truly just all, like depends. I think especially with like real estate is always like what the market is like dictating, right? And like looking because you don't you don't want to overpay for something. If anything, you want to underpay. You want to be that like this is and I think especially for like women, this is something like we got to understand and be like extremely like biz- business savvy. Like do not get connected to your property in any mm-hmm. sort of like emotional way, yeah. even when like you're doing like your bidding, right? Like this is something that's going to generate money for you. And that is it. Like there's yeah. no emotions with yeah. this. It's like, not like your forever home. Like yeah. you're not going to decorate this. Who cares what it looks yes. like? Yes, exactly. It's like, all you about the true. numbers. <laughs> yes, it's all about the numbers. And, like if the numbers, if the numbers don't work in the deal, like walk away, I don't care how cute beachfront like it is. Like, I don't care how much you like the tile or whatever, like, in the end of the day, like none of that matters. If it's not in the long run, it's not going to make money for you. And that truly is like what is about, like, as you said, it's not your forever home. Like it is a piece of property that you are looking at to like build wealth for yourself and for like your family. And when you think keep those things like in, 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 in your mind, it changes the way you look at deals and it changes the way you even go into like the negotiating room. Yeah. Love that. Love that. And it's so interesting that you're going into real estate because there's a lot of definitely fear from people because they're like, this takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of effort. What if I don't make money? And if you just do it the right way, the smart way, you can definitely create more income with that and with anything that that you do. So love that. So is there any other advice that you would like to give for our listeners too? And I also just like to say, when people think about like real estate a lot, sometimes they think like, oh man, I got to have like 150. I got to have like, I got to be approved for a mortgage. My credit's not that great. No, like you can always start small. My first piece of property that I bought, I think I paid like 15K for, and it was just, I think like mm. 20 acres, right? And you think, oh, what you want to do with 20 acres with no like sort of like utility, like hookup. But you forget there are people who are like looking to camp or hunters. If you have like hunters or if you have a creek or or a river going through, like there are people who just want to like do like their yoga retreats or hunters who doing hunting season. I mean, depending on what your thoughts and philosophy are about hunting. But like I'm like, if you can kill your own meat, then <laughs> more power to you. Like, do it. <laughs> um, yeah, do it. Like I got more respect than that. Somebody who just goes into like supermarket and just buys it like yeah. thinking it came <laughs> like that <laughs> so, so so like 
like when you think about that, like think about like how can I like make money for something? And even when you think about like 20 acres, like in the middle of nowhere, what what can I do with that? But it's also like how you like market it. Like there are just people who want to go like have a place in the woods where they can just like go camping and don't necessarily want like a formal campground. So there are just a million different like opportunities. And I think my first piece of property, which I think was 15K, and I think in year one, I was generating 50K wow. off that property Amazing. alone in, in one year. So before I got my first property overseas, which I was extremely like nervous about, and that's where, and I think in an in earlier podcast, I told you I wish I hadn't second guessed myself earlier in life. I just air, like long-term got a lease on a piece of property. And then I said, mm, I'm not staying here any longer. Mm, let me see if I can like Airbnb this. I actually talked to like the landlord. Next thing I know, a property that I'm renting for three fifty a month, I'm making twelve hundred dollars a month on Airbnb. Wow, that's incredible. Now, how are you able to find all of these properties, Jackie? Um, so it truly is all like <laughs> I'm like a hit the pavement girl. Like I'm also again understanding what my strengths are. I'm definitely like a people person, and I think a lot of, of real estate is people in terms of like getting out, like getting out of just your tourist enclaves and your expat enclaves, especially if you if you if you live abroad or you travel abroad. I think if you just hang with with other expats, expatriates, then everything will always be higher for you. <laughs> um but when you start getting in like local community and going to people's quinceañeras and like hanging <laughs> out, then you'll hear like somebody's grandma's like, I want to sell like our place in the country, like I want to sell it for fifteen thousand, right? just because I'm getting old and I want to move, I want to move in with my family or, you know, you'll, you'll hear like a lot of different like opportunities and stuff. And it truly is. I think that part of it is, and I, I tell us to, you know, all my clients as well, part of it is getting yourself in a mindset that when a door opens, you're going to be ready to go through it. So when the opportunity presents itself and the numbers look right and making sure those numbers look right and don't be afraid to ask questions. Like there's, when it comes to my money, ain't nothing I won't ask you. <laughs> and I think everybody should have that. Like, I don't care if you get offended. Like, I want I want to know everything I can possibly know, right? And being comfortable. Don't overextend yourself, right? Like, if you're interested in buying a place in Costa Rica, but, like, you're not ready to jump into it, then do a long-term, like, lease, right? Like, get a lease for, like, two years. And then see how, how you're going to start generating money, like, from that. Because, you know, it, there's so many different, like, possibilities if you just, like think about stuff. I mean, even in, in terms of like digital products, I got quite a few of those. Like you make them once, like they continue to make money for you. So you just have to really, and and, and you can do all this while you keep your full-time job or whatever you're doing, because like this, at this point, this money right here is just play money. Right. And I am still very good each month. I mean, I'm not one of those people who check my account every day, but I do still, I'm somewhat conscious of what like my budget is and how much money I'm spending a month, right? Because I like this is the money that I'm going to live off of. Again, going back to those buckets that I talked about, <laughs> talked about the this is the money I'm going to live up. This is my travel money, and this is like my savings, like investing all that sort of money, right? And just getting comfortable with all of that, and just looking over those numbers and understanding what's going to what. And to anybody who's interested in generational wealth and building their own wealth and then getting out of debt. Cause you know, I was in law school, so I had $150,000 worth of like law school debt. I always say, get a good tax person. Mm. I mean, there, there's not, there's probably like the two most important people in my business world are 
all related to, you know, my finances, understanding my finances, my bookkeeper, because at the end of the day, you need to know where your money's coming and going. And then like your tax attorney, because how many days can I spend in, how many days can I spend in the U.S., right? Like how much, how much of my wealth is taxable in the U.S., how much of it may be taxable in, in other markets as well? And really understanding like those numbers, where do I need my primary residence to be? All those different questions are definitely very individualized based on what, where you are in life. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Jackie, for all of the advice that you gave us and for helping us go through what it's like and what we should be doing in order to have generational wealth, because this is definitely something that all of us should be thinking about. We really appreciate you. If our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? They can find me either on Instagram or on my website. Both of them are the Jackie O Life dot com or of course Instagram backslash the Jackie O Life and Jackie is spelled J A C K I E and then just O dot com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jackie. We really appreciate all the tips that you gave us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was such fun. I hope you enjoyed this extended interview with Jackie. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the full interview where she shares how to thrive as a digital nomad. Hey friend, have you been wanting to start a podcast? I know it can be overwhelming in the beginning. Believe me, I have been there. Lucky for you, we have created a new site called howtocreatepodcast.com that shares a ton of freebies that can help you get started. From launching, growing, to monetizing, we share it all in one place. Visit howtocreatepodcast.com for more information. Thanks for joining me on this extended interview. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We can also chat some more on Facebook at the OB Life. I'll talk to you soon.